0: Billy came down with something, nothing too serious, but I got the call yesterday at about 3.30 and he said, hey, you're on. And I said, okay, uh, are we still teaching Ephesians 6? He said, yes. I said, can I have your notes? He said, yes. I said, I'm your man. (laughs) So (laughs) I spent the uh, yesterday evening Kind of going through, reading through, make some changes, uh, making it my own. So we'll see what happens. You guys ready? All right. With all that being said, oh thank you, thank you so much. With all that being said, let's start with some prayer. Yeah, God, we thank you for this opportunity to be here to this morning. We thank you uh, for your word, God. Thank you for uh, just the word you give you gave to Billy, uh, the words you gave to me, God, and. And that's what we're relying on, God. It's not about anything else, but it's about um, you and your word. And uh, soften our hearts, God. Open our minds right now as we dig in. And help us to um, just hear new things, God, as uh, as you teach us. We thank you so much for this time and this space. Uh, we pray all these things in your great son's name. Amen. So if this is your first time here, either on our Harvard campus or watching online, we want to say welcome, welcome. Today, we are closing out a teaching series on the New Testament book of Ephesians. Who's been here the whole time? Yay! It's been about four months, nearly 225 pages of sermon notes, 17 outlines, maps, charts, theological systems. We even had a theatrical skit. I believe it was right here where Christy kissed Billy on stage. Don't know if you remember that one or not. That's probably a first for Redeemers. History, heroes, villains, meteorites, temples, goddesses, and gods. It's been quite a journey of discovery, learning this part of the Bible. And today... We are looking at the last major section in the book of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul gives his final instructions, and it's all about spiritual warfare. See, the Bible teaches that we are in a spiritual battle, and that when a person becomes a Christian, they become a soldier for Christ. And Paul wants the church in Ephesus, and in return, He wants us to understand this in more detail. So go ahead and grab out your message notes. Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be starting in verse 10. I'm going to read that for us in just a second. Uh, And while I do, to summarize our passage today, here is your first fill-ins. We are in a spiritual battle, but God has equipped us to fight. Ephesians 6, verse 10, "'Finally be strong in the Lord, and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness.'" that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So what Paul is doing here, he's summarizing a lot of biblical thought and theology into one very, very condensed paragraph. And in verse 12, he sets up a key factor to remember and understand about this passage, that our battle is actually against evil. And this evil doesn't come from just one place or one direction. It actually hits us from three different directions, now, by the way, Christianity is totally unique amongst other religions and philosophies when it comes to evil and where it comes from. There's no comparison. Uh, some beliefs say that evil comes from maybe one direction or maybe two sources. In fact, some people say that evil isn't a thing at all. There's nothing else at play besides just flesh and blood. It's all just people. But look around and you will notice that there's probably more at play than just people having a bad day, right? Pastor Tim Keller says that evil is multidimensional. Christianity is the only belief that gives a full, complete and accurate view of evil. So where is this evil coming from? Well, first above me. What does that mean? See, the Bible describes this as the world. And the word in Greek is kosmos. It's used to describe God's creation, the universe. It can also refer to all people. And it can sometimes refer to this organized system of rebellion that blankets itself over the created order. It's a humanistic system or it is the humanistic system that's at odds with the Lord and his ways. Uh, First John 2.15 says this, "'Do not love the world or the things in the world. "'If anyone loves the world, "'the love of the Father is not in him. "'For all that is in the world, "'that is the desires of the flesh "'and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, "'is not from the Father.'" but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. See, evil is above or all around us. It's systemic. It blankets everything. And it's been that way since the fall in Genesis when sin first entered the world. And it's this fallen and decaying world. It's full of earthquakes and droughts and hurricanes. And likewise, the me first, selfish mentality of our human nature. So that's the first, but that actually leads into our second. See, evil is not just above me, but it is also inside me. This is the... Teaching of Christianity. That the problem of evil isn't just a system, but it's also all of us, me and you. Paul says this in another book that he wrote uh, to the Romans. It says, So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. See, that's the last thing you guys wanted to hear this morning, right? Good morning. Guess what? <laughs> evil. It's you. You're the ones. You're a part of where evil comes from. We think, no, not me. I would never do that. It's not my fault. I liked it when it was just that, that system thing, right? Systemic world problem. But here's the thing. The Bible is brutally honest. Sin dwells within. And although we have the desire to do what is right, we don't always have the ability to carry it out. Has anybody else experienced this? For example, I know what I should do, right? I know in my heart of hearts what is good and how I should treat the people around me, right? So how I should treat my wife, how I should treat... My kids, my family, my friends, my coworkers. I have the desire to treat them well, right? Love and respect, but reality, I'm kind of a jerk. Um so <laughs> I treat people like garbage sometimes, right? That's that's the nature, that's the sin, right? We we have the desire, but we don't always have that ability to carry it out. So this is part of living in a fallen world. And that's the second direction that evil comes at us. We have above me, we have inside me, and then third, we have outside me. That is the devil. The scripture teaches that the devil is real. It's not just a metaphor or an archetype for evil, but the Bible teaches that there is a real personal being, a fallen angel called Satan or the Satan, and he exists. Uh, look back in your Ephesians 6 verses um, at verse 11. I want everybody to follow along. It says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Yeah. Paul is calling the devil out by name. He wants the source of this evil to be very, very clear. It's not flesh and blood. But it's the schemes of the devil. The devil and his demons wreak untold havoc on humanity, and evil is coming at us from every direction above, inside, and outside. Let's pray. No, just kidding. That's not the end. We're not stopping there. Uh, (laughs) That would be a. Oh, okay. I guess I'll go home. That's fun. No, this may seem discouraging or daunting. Like, what chance do we have, right? But good news, we have some good news, and it's what Christians call the good news. See, because of this evil, this is the very reason why Jesus came, to destroy the works of the devil and to transform our selfish, evil hearts, and then eventually, the world order will be brought under the full blessing and righteousness, the peace of Christ, right? Thank you, Jesus, for that. Amen. Amen. But in the meantime, we live in a fallen world. So what do we do about it? We're out here in the trenches, right? One day at a time. We're trudging along. Well, there's another bit of good news. Uh, James gives us This encouraging advice. He says, submit yourself, yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Awesome. I love it. How do we resist the devil, James? Well, that's exactly what Paul is getting at when he is encouraging us to prepare for battle. How do we resist? The command is very, very clear. Look back in our Ephesians six verses. There were three times that a word was said. Do you guys know it? Stand, yes, verse eleven, that you may be able to stand against the schemes. Thirteen, having done all, to stand firm, and then fourteen, stand therefore. So evil is all around us. How do we resist? How do we battle? We stand firm against all three by putting on the full armor of God. Standing firm in your faith, standing firm in the grace of Jesus Christ, standing firm means you're not getting pushed around by evil. You're not getting tossed here and there by the enemy, the world, or even our own passions and desires of our own flesh, right? It means you're solid, Rooted. You have a foundation. You're enduring in Jesus. Faithful. Persistent. This is what Paul says victory is. And he's telling us to stand firm. He's very clear about it. And to teach out this idea, Paul uses a military metaphor. Now, I don't think Paul is necessarily pro-war or pro-violence, but instead he's just using a picture that the church in Ephesus would be very, very familiar with, this picture of Roman armor. And he takes different pieces of armor, and he likens them to different pieces of the gospel. So the picture is that we are wearing the gospel, and that it's protecting us from evil. So we're going to quickly run through these pieces uh, what is the first piece of armor that is mentioned in verse 14? Anybody? Belt of truth. Ooh, belt of truth. Nice. This is holding it all together. See, the belt ties every piece together. It's the foundation. It's not even actually a piece of armor, but it's what's holding it all together. See, pieces of armor would connect to the belt and they would hang down and protect the soldier. You would also have your weapons and any supply packs all attached to this belt. It would actually also keep uh, these Roman soldiers' tunics tucked up and tucked in. These were long and flowing. So they would pick them up, tuck them in their belt. That way they could move quickly, move freely. They're ready for action. They're not getting tripped up. Here's the thing. No belt. Big trouble. Because if you don't have that belt, the rest of the armor falls apart. So it makes sense that Paul would connect belt and truth. See, if the gospel isn't based in 100% truth, then Christianity falls apart. Every element of Christian belief and practice relies on it being real and true. So let me ask you a really light, easy question. What is truth? Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a philosophizer. I'm not a very smart man. So let's keep it simple. Let's say it like this. Truth is what really happened in the past. Truth is what is really happening now now. Truth is what will really happen in the future. Verified fact. It's reality. It's not perceived reality. It's objective reality. This is what truth is. And the gospel is truth. See, Jesus really did shed his blood to pay for our sins. He really did resurrect, and he really will return. And this is the foundation of what the gospel is, is that it's real, it's true, it's factual, and everything connects back to that truth. Jesus taught, I am truth. So verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. That's first, right? Then we have the breastplate of righteousness. This is protecting the heart. This is armor that goes over the chest, protects all the vital organs. Because if you get stabbed there, you're probably done. Now, there were three or four different types of torso armor that the Romans had. And they put a lot of time and money into constructing this really effective armor. And oftentimes, these breastplates would have uh, engravings and carvings or be adorned with images of different gods or goddesses that they pay homage to. And they would sort of hope that maybe these gods or goddesses would add additional protection. So why do all of this? Why all the hoopla? Well, like we said, the heart needs protecting. Of course, it's a vital organ. But the scripture speaks of the heart as more than just that, the heart is the center of our being. It's the center of our consciousness, the center of our identity. It's our core personality. The heart is what makes us who we are. The heart is where our character and our identity reside as people. So what protects our core Identity. Well, Paul says that it's righteousness, the righteousness of God. And that's the thing. It's not our righteousness. Rather, we take on the righteousness of Jesus, the one who lived a perfect life. So, 14 stand therefore, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And then we have the boots of the gospel. Roman soldier footwear was 100% essential in their army's success. See, boots, these boots were designed to march 25 miles a day and give you no blisters. Oof, those would be nice. They would be open style, they have straps, but their soles were very, very durable so that they could go anywhere in these things. Modern artisans have spent countless hours trying to uh, recreate their designs and the manufacturing process. And there's this one guy who made a pair, and he was able to walk around in these everyday use for about three years before they wore out. So these are very, very tough shoes. Now, Paul pairs up boots and gospel. This is all about walking with solid foundation, If our goal is to resist, stand firm, stand solid, don't get pushed around, we have to have solid foundation. You can't get knocked off your feet because fighting on the ground is very, very hard. So, we've already mentioned the gospel a little bit, the good news of the Bible. So, let me state it one more time very simply. There is a God in Jesus Christ who loves us. And even though we've done wrong, instead of taking it out on us, instead Jesus died in our place and he took those hits for us and he died on the cross for us. And through faith, we get to have Jesus Christ's perfection placed upon us. And so when the Father looks at us, he doesn't see everything that we've done wrong. Instead, he sees perfect Jesus. And that is very, very good news for us. And that is our foundation. That is our base. Walking on this will take us very far, no matter where the Lord sends us. So verse 15, stand therefore having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And then next, we have the shield of faith. This is stopping lies in their tracks. Look again at verse 16. It says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, believe me when I tell you, the evil one is going to send you some darts, Okay. I'm sure you guys have experienced this, yes? One after another, after another, after another. It's lie after lie after lie. The enemy is out for battle. And that's why our faith is so important. See, strong faith will stop these lies. Now let's talk about Roman shields for a second because they're pretty cool. They would all link together. They were designed to work in a group. So yes, they would work individually As well, but you could also link with one another, providing protection together. You could stop almost anything. Take a look at these. Lock your shield, stay as one. (laughs) Does that just like do something in you that like empowers you a little bit? I don't know. So now think about this, right? Because this is something that the Ephesians they would be picturing this when Paul is talking about shield of faith. Not only is it a shield for you, but it's a shield for those around you. So don't just think about your own shield, but think about my shield, right? Now, look around the room to the people next to you. I see a lot of eyes on me, guys. Come on. Just look around. It's okay. Now, think about your church family as well, right? Because we all have a shield, not just for our protection, but for our protection, right? You can stop each flaming dart of the enemy, each lie. See, your faith helps your friend and your friend's faith helps you. And together we can defeat the lies of the enemy. The shield of faith, believing that God is good and that he redeemed me, right? And I trust this with all my heart, it's the best thing that you can do to stop these lies. Lies that we hear over and over in our heads, right? You're nothing. You know that divorce? It's going to end you. Your future? You're going to fail. Right, how about your past? Guess what? It's going to haunt you forever. Right, these are lies that we hear in our head. Where do you think those come from? Whatever lie is targeting you, faith is going to come up. The shield of faith. It's going to go, Boop, "Nope, that's not what God says. You're a failure." "Boop, nope. I made you and created you intentionally how you are." Right? This is the shield of faith. We stand firm, we take up the shield The next we have the helmet of salvation, thinking like Christ. Letting the knowledge of your salvation dominate your thinking. You're seeing all of life through the gospel. Nowadays, this can be a mini battle in and of itself because we have so much noise going on around us all the time. Some of it's good, but some of it's bad, but it's all going in, right? competing for your headspace. It's going in, it's going in, it's going in. But we need to let the truth of our salvation, let that be what's dominating our thinking. This is how Jesus thought. We're actually gonna be teaching on this in the future, the battle of the mind and our thoughts. But for now, our salvation, it's gonna be what protects our thoughts it should be what guards our thoughts. It should be what forms our thoughts as well. So, 17, stand therefore and take the helmet of salvation, is what Paul says. Then, next, we have the sword of the Spirit. This is fighting with Scripture in our hands. The word of God is a weapon, meaning we should be immersing ourselves so much in the Bible that it's always right on the tips of our tongues, and it's always our next thought coming into our head. Do you want to counterattack lies and combat your thoughts? Guess what? This is the way that it's going to happen through God's word, through the scriptures, Recognizing the lies and replacing them with the truth. This is one of our big goals uh, here at Redeemers this year with our year of biblical literacy. It's not just to attain more head knowledge. It's to equip us with this sword of the spirit, right? We want to be in our Bibles like never before, That's why we're doing things like the Bible Conference next week. How many of you know about the Bible Conference? Yes? Awesome. Guess what? If you don't have tickets, I don't care. I want you to come next week. You hear me? Yes, there are tickets for sale that you should get, but you could just come, okay? You hear me? We got plenty of seats and I want you all to be here because this is so important for us. It's not just, like I said, to attain head knowledge and be like, well, that was a really great lecture that I learned. No, this is real biblical truth that we want to learn. We want to digest digest, and we want to be in our minds for times like these when the enemy attacks. So let's pack the house. Let's be here. Let's learn our scriptures so that we can be ready to fight. Now, side note, let's remember who we're fighting. We don't want to equip ourselves so that we can go to our neighbor who's got a different doctrine and say, well, I guess what I learned. That's not the point. Remember, Paul is telling us our fight is not against flesh and blood, but the purpose of us learning this word and knowing it is to fight the enemy. So stand firm with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And finally, prayer. Prayer. This is releasing God's love and power into the world. See, we put a bow on all of this with prayer. It doesn't even get a piece of armor because guess what? Prayer covers everything. We need to let prayer permeate everything because it's going to take a lot of prayer to live this out and to make all of this happen. Christians who pray regularly are the ones who stand firm. And if we're not praying regularly, it might be because we're too resilient, or sorry, too reliant on other things as our source of strength. So stand firm, pray at all times in the spirit is what Paul says. This is awesome. This is such a good reminder for me to go through these like this. And I want to sum up our time today and sum up our time in this book of Ephesians by reminding us of something that Billy said at the very, very beginning of our series. See, the book of Ephesians, it points to Jesus. This whole book is about Jesus. We spent three chapters of deep theological truth about who Jesus is. And then we spent the next three chapters learning about how to live out these truths. And in writing these verses that we looked at today, I think Paul had the same goal that we have here at Redeemers. And it's this, helping people fearlessly follow Jesus. Because if we take this seriously, and I do, the Bible tells us that the world is full full of the devil's schemes. And that can be scary to think about. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, I want to talk to you for just a second. Because you may be like me, and you don't want to think about that, right? It's easier to just ignore this kind of thing. I'm going to go hide in my little hidey hole. Hey, give me a call when you're talking about that love stuff. I like that one. That's good, right? But this is so important because the Bible doesn't shy away from this reality. Whether you like it or not, there is an unseen world, and the devil is scheming. But the beauty about these verses is that that doesn't need to scare us at all. We don't need to be fearful about that because the Bible, these verses, They tell us everything we need to do to stand firm in the middle of battle. And that gives me courage. And my prayer is that that gives you courage as well. So we need to stand firm, put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6, these verses are equipping us to fearlessly follow Jesus. So we need to go back to them again and again and remind ourselves and daily put on that armor. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm going to talk to you for just a second. Because you may be thinking, man, I've been in this world. If you've been battling the world without these tools, this armor, without Jesus by your side, that's tough. If you don't have the truth and the righteousness that comes from the gospel of peace, more good news, guess what? You can have that if you want it. If you want to know Jesus, you just got to tell him. You just got to ask him. I'm going to pray for us in a second. And while I do, if you're processing that right now and you're thinking, man, I don't want to be in this evil world alone by myself. You can say these words in any way you want. God, I'm a sinner. There is evil in me. There's sin in me. But Jesus, I need you to cover it for me. I don't want to face this world without you coming into my life. That's all it takes, okay? So I'm going to pray for us as we close bow your heads with me. God, we thank you so much for this time, God. We thank you so much for just this encouraging word, God. It is a uh, it's a world out there, God, full of evil, and we recognize that, God, and we don't want to ignore it. So, so give us the courage to just daily remind ourselves and, and take this seriously, God. God, as we go through this armor and we think about the helmet and the breastplate and got the sword and the, the boots, God and this belt that's holding it all together, God. I pray that as we've gotten in these in this week, God, that those images would just instill in our minds, and then they would root in our heart, God, as we seek to follow and battle for you, God. That's our prayer, and that's our goal, not to be fearful, God, but to be, take courage and face the world head on. God, for anybody in this room that's processing right now, man, I don't want to do this alone anymore. God, I feel for those people. God, we all do, because we remember what it was like without you. God, and we know what it's like to do this with you, God. And so I'm praying right now for anybody in this room that's just thinking that, God. We trust in your power that they cross over from death to life, God, and they join your family. and that these fellow soldiers can take up arms with us, God, as we fight against the schemes of the devil. God, we thank you so much for this encouraging word. We thank you so much for this time that we've had to just gather together and learn your truth. God, and now we worship you in this time, in this place, God. Whatever we're going on in our minds, God, that we're processing, that we're thinking about, help us to just... um be able to lift that up to you in this moment, God, as we worship. We thank you so much for this time. We pray these things in your great son's name. Amen.